0: covering all aspects of milwaukee brewers baseball it's time for brewers extra innings the podcast here is your host matt paulie it is time for another edition of brewers extra innings the podcast powered by wtmj mobile my name is matt paulie great to have you with us we kept your way for another week's worth of talk about the brewers and uh, we're actually uh it's like three weeks worth of talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. We generally take a couple weeks off from the podcast right around the holidays, so uh, we will not be with you for the next two weeks after uh, this podcast today, and then we will uh, get back with you there early in January uh, for our first show in the calendar year of uh, 2022. So uh, just before we go any further, as we do uh, do our final show of the year, thank you so much to everybody who has listened, especially during the final two months uh, into the postseason uh, for the Brewers. I can tell you that the uh, podcast listening numbers uh, were absolutely uh, incredible, uh, especially when the are some of the that are going on on the WDK Podcast Network and shows and so forth. It was so clear. Uh, the fandom that exists uh, for the Brewers, and uh, that plays out in people listening to this podcast. So, my sincere appreciation uh, to you for being tuned in, and we'll uh, we'll keep going strong once we get into our uh, 2022. But uh, this week on the final edition of the podcast in calendar year 2021, uh, I'll be honest with you: the the podcast right now are going to kind of sound the way they sounded uh, right in the middle of the pandemic. And that it, it has nothing to do with the pandemic. It has nothing to do with COVID. It has everything to do with the work stopping. Because, bluntly, there's just not a whole lot to talk about right now. Uh, we did hear that the players and the owners did meet for at least a little while this past Thursday. Uh, non-core economic issues were discussed, according to uh, multiple reports, scheduling grievance procedures, special events, and uh, drug and domestic violence policies were the things that were spoken about. Really, both sides should be fairly like-minded on most of those items. And if they're not completely like-minded, those are the easy things to kind of negotiate and collective bargain and work through. I say the easy things. It seems like sometimes uh, you you can't uh, get the two sides in the same room together and get them to agree what time of day it is. But that being said, those issues are probably issues that they can work through. They did not get into any of the major economic financial issues that exist between the two sides. And that's what is the big deal here. So they didn't get into any of the big deal issues. Um, they, They still need to work through those. Obviously, there is some hope that maybe by being on the same page on some of these smaller issues, that perhaps that can lead to more of an agreement on some of the bigger issues later, at least some momentum, just a spirit of working together, whatever it might be. So... That's kind of the update for this week. I said we're not going to do a show for a couple of weeks. If something crazy happens in the next couple of weeks, we'll probably uh, come back and do a show. But if nothing changes, uh, we'll take our holiday break here over these uh, next two weeks so people can enjoy Christmas, New Year's, whatever you uh, celebrate at, uh, at this time of year. Just celebrating being with uh, friends and family. and eating lots of good food and things like that it's uh it's a great time of year and hopefully you are able to uh be with the people that uh you enjoy being around the people that you love and uh we'll be back with uh more of this podcast coming up uh yeah into the new year but we still have one more podcast to go and uh again so what i was trying to get to a moment ago before i kind of went off the uh went off the rails uh during the pandemic this uh podcast was very much just kind of an interview podcast just a a conversation, a baseball conversation, and that's what we're going to do. We're just going to have baseball conversations here uh, until something of of note actually happens. So uh, our baseball conversation this week with a guy who I always enjoy being able to uh, talk about the game with. Uh, He is a a contributor at Brew Crew Ball. You can follow him on Twitter at Tim underscore Muma, M-U-M-A. Great to have uh, Tim back on to the podcast. Hey, Tim, thanks for your time. How are you?
1: i'm doing great always always a pleasure to talk baseball doesn't matter the time of year so i appreciate it
0: let's um like these these conversations and these podcasts like all that all that there is to talk about in terms of what is actually going on right now is the lockout obviously the lockout is yep. going to end at some point in time and then you can kind of teams can really start digging in again on, on trying to add to their roster so let me ask you this like do you spend more time being worried about the lockout, or do you spend more time kind of thinking about still what this team can do once the lockout comes to an end?
1: I think at this point, I more just think about what, what are they going to do, you know, to help improve the team, and obviously they, they have a good club, and you figure a few moves here and there get uh, them a little closer to ideally a, a championship run, so we're still in December, and it's still a ways off to really being concerned about missing games and stuff like that. I don't really think about it too much. I mean, it's always in the back of your head. And like you said, I mean, any baseball podcast listen to you can't help but them talk about it. And it's a little bit of a quiet period now too. So you're not necessarily hearing a lot of back and forth of, of what's, uh, you know, might be coming down the pipe a little bit, but, um, for me, I'd rather, I guess, stay positive and think about what, uh, selfishly, what my club can do to get better when everything kind of opens up and, down willing it does happen sooner than later, but uh, when it does, you figure it's gonna be kind of a frenzy. Um obviously all the teams I'm sure behind the teams are still working and, and then trying to make plans as best they can. But um for now I think it's it's worry about the baseball side of it and as you get into uh, you know, mid to late January, uh, you hope there's some movement. That's when I think you start getting a little bit concerned and worried more about the the work stoppage itself.
0: The uh the big move that they made prior to the uh the the labor stoppage deadline, whatever you want to call it, uh, bringing in a Hunter Renfro moving on from a Jackie Bradley Jr. I think we can all probably assume that JBJ is going to have some level of a bounce back, uh, but it feels like sure. they, they, they bring in a guy who's got a little bit more pop. Maybe he's a middle of the order type bat. Maybe he's a guy who can provide some protection for Yelich. We had Kyle Loebner on a few weeks ago and he thought he was more of a, a six or seven hitter, kind of a, a last guy to drive in runs kind of guy. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know where they're going to bat him, but it feels like that move, at the very least, made the team better.
1: I think it definitely does. I mean, obviously, JBJ didn't give them what they were looking for. Um, defensively, he was still his normal self, but you just can't pay a guy that money, especially in a what's called a smaller market, um, to, to hit like that. And you're right, he's going to bounce back for sure. Even if he was here, he'd do the same. Um, you know, and part of it really is the move as far as getting money off the books, not just for next year, but, you know, future years as far as some of the options that are out there and some of the deferred money. I think people didn't necessarily realize how much was going to come on down the road as well. But as far as Rental, I mean, you know, he's coming off a really good year, obviously. Um, from what I've seen and heard, you know, he matches lefties really well. So you could see it being a thing where, you know, Council's not afraid to have guys up in the lineup uh, against lefties. And then if they're in the lineup, down more in the order, Against righties or vice versa, depending on their strength. So I think that's just going to be the way they're going to play and that's probably why Stearns and Company sees them as a fit with this club because they're going to rotate guys in and out. They're going to worry about matchups all the time. They're going to get guys rest. They're going to, get, they're going to have injuries. So I think that's what they've been doing for a number of years: is just trying to find these little ways to match up with, you know, the big boys as far as spending goes by looking for those, uh, you know, winning on the margin, so to speak, of all right, if we have him against Westies, which we, you know, in general struggled against last year, that's going to improve our lineup, at least that half of the lineup. So now we can maybe focus on a guy who's not as expensive or doesn't cost as much in prospects that uh, that matches right. And then they'll make it work that way. So it's just, it's one of those, I think, and I know I've heard a lot of people talk about, he's he's somewhat kind of filling the void uh, from the other side, Garcia leaving. And, and you can see that a little bit. Um, but I think, again, it's a very... Stern's move as far as seeing Renfro as a a piece that fits into the bigger puzzle, and uh, Council obviously is the guy you want running the show with that.
0: You you mentioned the term winning on the margins, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately because, look, there are some big market teams that do a very good job of bringing in the high price tag, high profile, top level guys. And they do, at the same time, do a nice job of filling in the rest of the 40-man roster and, and the AAA guys who are going an, to get an opportunity at some point of the year. But there's also those teams who love to go spend money on the big-name players, <laughs> but then they don't provide club depth. And at the end of the day, at the end of the season, they're not where they want to be, and they they blame injuries, they blame this, they blame that. But there, they see teams like the Brewers in the postseason, and I'm, I, I don't want people to like misunderstand what I'm saying. All star caliber players, MVP caliber players, future Hall of Famers, like the, when you've got an opportunity to have players like that, they they do a lot to help you win. But at the same time, you you need to win on the margins. You need to have organizational depth. And it just seems like the Brewers continue to prove how important that is on an every-year basis.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. And, I mean, it's always a risk, especially if you're looking at the free agent market. And the money guys get paid and the length of contract. And, I mean, you can look at it with extensions, too. Obviously, a lot of us Brewers fans are a little concern when it comes to Yelich and and the value of that as it goes forward. So there's risk with that. And obviously the the bigger market teams, they can take on that risk and kind of move away from it. But you do have teams like you mentioned, like the Dodgers who have it both ways. I mean, that's why they've been so good for, you know, as long as I can remember because they they can pay the stars, they can pay to keep their stars and and they don't necessarily go by, you know, willy nilly as far as free agents or through trades, but they, they use the capital really well, but then they use, you know, their prospects well. They know where to fit guys in. They they, they play the matchups, and that's sort of, uh, you know, I'd say the standard as far as having it all, as far as what the Dodgers have shown. Um, but, you know, when it comes to, you know, say a team like the Mets, yeah, you're putting a lot of eggs in those baskets as far as keeping guys healthy and making sure you can really rely on them over the course of a long, grueling season. And if you have a couple of those big injuries or they're just not as effective because of age or because, you know, they have little issues here or there, That's where that's where the lack of depth, like you said, comes into play. Now, I think a lot of teams obviously are are getting smarter with that, and I think most teams are looking at a lot of the same numbers and and ways to find those uh, again winning on the margin kind of kind of stories. But uh, there's still teams that do it better, and of course, at some point, and maybe it's already happening, where they're looking, okay, what's the new advantage? What's the next advantage to you know counteract what everyone else is doing because it's it's ever evolving and. Some of it has to do with the way the game is played. Some of it might have to do with rule changes. And some of it's just the way guys evaluate talent. And, you know, I, I, we've obviously been fortunate when it comes to the Brewers the last, you know, number of years because we know they're not going to spend huge, but they are putting in, you know, their resources. They are looking to, to spend wisely. And sometimes it's obviously frustrating. We like to see them put a little more into the pot and, and maybe grab one of those kind of all-star caliber guys like you said. But, um, you know, and push them to shove. I really would prefer it this way versus going all in, you know, for a couple of years and then having dark ages for long periods of time. You just hope that they can find the right time to maybe push a couple more chips in and, and, you know, the playoffs are a crapshoot. But if you have one or more of those, uh, you know, all-star guys in the postseason, maybe they do make that difference in, the, you know, division series or the NLCS and, and get you over the hump. So, um, you know, it's, again, it's it's fun to watch. It's fun to pay attention to and, I'd love to be in on all those conversations that happen when it comes to trying to figure this stuff
0: out. You mentioned maybe bringing in the all-star caliber player. and I, I, There's obviously still room for that on this roster. I think you can look at the corner infield spots. If they have to go with Luis Urias at, at, at third, you know what? He may give you a 30-home run season, uh, but at the same time, we saw what his value can be when he can play a lot of third, can go play second base uh, when, when need be, can even play shortstop when need be if you bring in a big bat at third, if you bring in a big bat at first base, Luke Voigt was a name that was mentioned recently, uh, in the New York newspapers that was connected to the Brewers. It does feel like there's still maybe an opportunity to, to bring in that kind of bat at one of those corner and field spots.
1: Yeah, I agree. And that's why I'm still thinking in those terms versus thinking about the lockout. Just you think there's opportunity. And I feel like we've been saying that for years with first base and it just never seems to come, come to fruition. But, uh, there's got to be opportunities out there, and I think there are. And I'm sure they're always looking. And you know, I, I love Urias as much as a lot of people have. You know, I, I think it was uh, it great to see him kind of break out last year. And um, for sure, he could handle third base. But of course, he probably would be an extremely valuable weapon moving around. And, and he'll do that anyway. They're, they're going to find find time to play him elsewhere. And give give other guys days off. But um, yeah, I think I think first base. I still think the outfield. And only because I'm thinking. That I gotta believe they're going to the DH next year in the NL. Yeah. Now I know I've heard talks back and forth now that, well, maybe they're wavering on that because you know again negotiation ploys and all that kind of stuff. But I think selfishly it would be great for the Brewers because they obviously need offense more than any pitching, and in any way you can find it, find a way to bring a bat in and be able to rotate again, guys, through the outfield or through those corner infield spots. I think there's an opportunity, and you know, even I have a couple head, you know, a couple of names floating around in my head that you know maybe want to take a look at that. That's something I, I like to do every once in a while, write an article on that just to just to see what might pop. But um, you know, I, I agree. I think there's an opportunity there, and and we know that's what they need because the pitching is uh, is is really ready to go. My only question is we don't know how much they're going to push with the payroll, and does that mean they have to look to maybe trade a guy and trade from their depth of pitching, which they could do, I'm sure. They trust their system, so uh, I, again, I, that's what I like to. I love to think about this stuff, and um, you know, again, we, we obviously should put a lot of trust in what Stearns and Company does.
0: There are certainly some untouchables from a from a pitching perspective. That starts with Corbin Burns. It probably continues with uh, with with Freddie Peralta, with Brandon Woodruff. Those guys are not going to get moved, uh, but the pitching depth. The the old adage is you you can never have too much pitching, and and I generally agree with that. But with the depth Mm -hmm. that they have, I've continued to say, if if there is a really compelling reason to make a move and you can bring in a big-time bat that you put in the middle of the order and it's going to cost you, and Adrian Hauser he's kind of the I, I list his name a lot but uh, if if it's going to cost you an Eric Lauer if it's going to cost you one of these guys and I know there's you know Hauser's still a little bit younger than like Lauer is but you get the point I'm making right I I would do it. I I think that is worth doing when you have as much of a surplus, especially with the guys coming up. We saw a little bit of Ashby. Ethan Small is right around the corner. You would think that they're going to probably bring in another veteran for the rotation, uh, kind of the role Mm -hmm. that Brett Anderson was in this past year. So the the depth continues to be there
1: yeah a little veteran uh, pictures I was kind of hoping for a, a rich Hill uh, maybe signing there but I'm pretty sure he did end up signing with somebody else I feel like for some reason he would have fit in perfectly uh, but with that that's I'm not gonna put it past them that they're dangling woodruff. i I just I don't know I have a feeling I've talked to some other people that are really big you know into this kind of stuff and you know with with the contract again if you're looking at price tags I think uh, I think he's looking to go up to around. 10 million, I want to say. I I can't remember offhand. Um, And obviously he's older amongst the group. Um, I don't know. Like you said, if if there's an opportunity for a bat player, you know, has a a little bit of control either near the major leagues or or just into the major leagues, I wouldn't put it past them. And I know the other name that's come up, and I go back and forth on it is Josh Hader because, again, higher price tag, how much longer is he going to be able to do this, how much longer do they want to pay him that much. I know some people think that would be crazy, but that's the way the Brewers are going to have to function at some point, just like the Rays do. You have to make those decisions on guys that might be fan favorites, might be extremely valuable to your club, and you have to find a way to kind of rotate those guys through and bring in the next group of talented players and fill some of those holes. And like I said, if you have that depth, it's obviously with the pitching side, and they trust what they're doing with their pitching labs and with their development. They've obviously proven they can uh, they can handle that, so I, I really wouldn't put a past them. But at least be looking at it. They're not, you know, Sturm isn't going to give them away for anything just to just to dump salary. That's not what I'm saying. So I hope nobody thinks that. But if there's a team out there that thinks they're a starter away and they think you know Woodruff's the guy and they're willing to throw in you know a couple of uh, bigger names as far as whether it's prospect side or or you know, players that really fill a hole or a need for the Brewers, I'd be on the lookout for it. Not saying it's going to happen. I wouldn't put a high percentage on it. Uh, like you said, a guy like Hauser makes a little more sense, just even cost-wise and, and age-wise. But um, I, I don't know. I, there's a part of me that feels like there's there's some kind of blockbuster coming down the road, and, and uh, I could be way off base, and maybe I'm just holding because it, it gives that kind of excitement. Not that I want to see it, either of those guys go, but um, I don't know. It's something I've been looking into, and I know I've seen some other very uh, smart baseball guys online talking about that as well.
0: The hater conversation is obviously one that's not a new conversation, but it's an interesting one. Right. Yeah, it's I think at some point, unless he just makes the decision that he loves being in Milwaukee and he is going to give the Brewers this ginormous discount to continue to to pitch here i i I feel like at some point he is no longer going to be a brewer. I really if that was gonna happen this off season and I kind of feel like it's not going to, but if it was gonna happen this mm-hmm. off season. I really would have rather the Devin Williams thing had not happened last year because <laughs> yeah. you you don't want him coming off an injury. You just you just don't know he's going to I think he's going to be fine, but you never know. And you never know how how a body is going to react to an injury. You never know how it's going to react to a surgery no matter how routine it might be. I'm just always more comfortable if you're going to put a guy into an expanded role I want them coming off a year or at least finishing off a year where it looks like they're kind of ready to step in there and, and not a situation where you were injured or whatever it might have been.
1: I'll admit that was my big – I mean, obviously everyone was frustrated and disappointed with what happened with Devin last year, especially the timing. And, and it clearly did hurt the Brewers at least at the end of the series. Uh, you know, like the used some more. Uh, you know, another devastating out of the pen. But that was my thought last year. Was you know you don't know how it's going to heal. You don't know how surgery impacts you know flexibility and the way he's able to manipulate his hand, his finger fingers, his wrist. I mean, you just don't know. So that's a fair point that you could go if you were to do something and and deal away Hater that you could go into the next year with without two of your quote unquote best relievers just in thinking that Devin's not a hundred percent or he's just not the same at least to start of the year. So that would be a risk. I mean, there's always going to be a risk, obviously involved to Trading away proven assets, and and that's something that that's uh, so why they make the big bucks making those decisions. Again, I don't think it's going to happen this year unless they're completely blown away, and I don't know that any teams are willing to to blow away the Brewers with an offer to get hated at this point. Um, to your point, he's at some point probably going to leave Milwaukee just because of the combination of factors that'll that'll be involved between costs and age and everything else. But um, yeah, I wouldn't again, I wouldn't put it past them. I think the Brewers are very comfortable with working guys that they have and finding guys off the scrap heap and just, just figuring it out that way. Um, but that's, a, I, 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 said that is a great point that you bring up with Devin Williams, because without him really necessarily being hundred percent comfortable off of that injury necessarily, and not finishing you how obviously he wanted to, that would be a lot of question marks to the back of a bullpen when, uh, you obviously have the starters to, to win a world series.
0: I do wonder, let's from a from a baseball operation standpoint, how confident are they? Because maybe this year not as much because the deals that they made at the deadline really didn't have a, a positive impact on, on the team with Norris and Curtis. Uh but other than that, the Brewers have this fantastic track record of acquiring relief pitchers who have a really solid positive impact on the team. Mm-hmm. And you know, we saw them let a Corey Canable basically walk away. And it was it was a situation where they they could have kept him and he was probably worth the money that he would have been paid, but he wasn't worth it to the Brewers for that much money to go his way. Where a team like the Dodgers can go give that kind of money to him and it doesn't really impact mm-hmm. him. There just seems to be this this overwhelming confidence that they're going to find guys, and you know, a Brad Boxberger this past year is a great example of that. Somebody who moved into that big-time 7th inning role, ha- ha- carried the 8th inning at times, could be a spot closer if you really needed it. It seemed like guys like those show up on an every-year basis, and I just wonder how much that kind of plays into some of their decisions they make because there's this confidence that they can always find a guy.
1: Yeah, I definitely think that plays a huge role for them, and I don't know exactly what their strategy is in looking at, especially those veteran reliever, relievers that you try to bring in, and you know they, they're going to usually – put them into different roles throughout the course of the year. And, you know, I mean, Council went a little more traditional last year with Hader and, and some of the other guys in the back end. You know, I remember Doug Melvin uh, always would say, you know, he'd look for a, a successful reliever who had, you know, a, d- a good career, but coming off of a bad season, thinking that, you know, relievers are so volatile, but if, if it's a guy with a track record and he had a down year, well, he's going to bounce back the next season. And I think he was very successful finding those guys off the of scrap heap too and, and guys that uh, other teams maybe thought, oh, they're done, they're washed up. So whatever they've been doing, again, since Stearns and company have been here, they they certainly have found a lot of those gems. And, you know, they've missed on a lot, too. But I think a lot of times they're pretty good at determining, all right, he's not working out. Let's send him down. We'll bring somebody else up. And, you know, we can have those guys kind of riding the shuttle back and forth to the majors and to the minors. And I know some players don't like that. And, and that could be part of the labor negotiations as well because players don't see that as being uh, as humane, so to speak. They're just seen as numbers and and assets to be moved back and forth. Unfortunately that's the way, especially for a team like the Blues, it's gonna work. And they're gonna take those shots and if they're if they're fitting in, they keep rolling with them. If they don't, they're gonna keep shuffling until they find the right mix. And more often than not they've been able to do that. And obviously again when you have manager like counsel who for the most part understands it seems that how that works and the roles of those players and being able to manage that because you do have egos and you have to manage fatigue and the, the long season. They found some kind of correct formula, whatever that is for them, and I again that is why I agree that, you know, Hader at some point, whether he has has or has not been on the block, you know, he will be gone. Not necessarily this year, um, but it is partly because of the conference they have both internally and finding guys externally.
0: Yeah, you're right about what you said about players and maybe the negotiation talk about how the how it's gonna be handled in terms of um, going up, going down, service time manipulation, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. If I was a free agent and I, I did not have a a major league deal sitting there, I would want to sign with the Brewers, and maybe I'm biased on this, but look, <laughs> no, at, not at, all. look at how many... Guys, they go through every year. You want to get some big league time. You want to get an opportunity. Maybe you got <laughs> yeah. to sit at Nashville for three months, but come August 1st, you're going to get an opportunity. Or come July 15th, you're going to get an opportunity. If you run with it, you get to stay there. And, oh, yeah, by the way, even if you don't stay there, you at least got some big league time that year. You at least added to your service time. There's some value in that as well when it comes to the major league pension and everything. There's a, there's a lot of benefits to – uh, being in an organization that uses as many guys and is as transactional as the Brewers are,
1: and it does come down to that a lot as far as what the player is actually looking for. You know, if you are just looking to get a guaranteed contract, then you might go somewhere else. If you're looking to prove yourself, or maybe you've you haven't had that opportunity yet, then that goes to your point of you're going to be given a shot. You know, at some point during the season, the Brewers are going to give you that shot. And it just comes down to, I think, that communication that, uh, you know, the organization would have with those, especially free agents, whether the major league or minor league free agents, because, you know, they find a lot of guys that way as far as starting in that route and inviting them to spring training. And, you know, we've seen that a number of times, not just with pitchers, but, but even position players. Um, and it's a little bit, you know, I, I always try in my head to relate it to something I can understand maybe a little bit better. And, you know, I have two sons who've been playing sports a long time, and we've always talked to them about, well, look, you can, you obviously want to be on a good team and you, but what are you, what are you looking for? Would you rather sit on the bench on a a, a top team or would you rather get playing time on maybe the second team and work your way up? You know? And I think it it really comes down to those decisions. And as long as the organization is being honest and from all indications, it seems like they have good relationships with players. You don't hear a bunch of negative stuff coming out. You usually hear positives about the organization and the players and coaches and administration I think again, that's where they're kind of being—they're—they're they're able to win on those margins. Again, to overuse that term by by having those conversations and and to your point, saying, "Look, you're going to get a shot if you you prove that you can handle it. You're going to stick with us. If not, you know, we'll keep you around as long as as long as we can. And if you want to go elsewhere, they often give those releases and contracts as well. So uh, it's just another way they try to filter and buy that works within their budget, within their philosophy and. Um, as long as Sterns and, and all his people are here I'm sure that's going to be the way they write unless they find another another route that uh, that's gonna help them out down the road
0: no I th- yeah I think they're always looking for the the latest thing and the latest way to, to win but yeah right. they've got a They've got a formula that seems to be uh, working for, for the most part. Uh, He is Tim Muma. You follow him uh, on Twitter at Tim underscore M-U-M-A. He contributes at uh, Brew Crew Ball. Tim, thank you so much for the time. I hope you and your uh, family just have a uh, very wonderful Christmas and a happy new year. And uh, who knows, maybe by the time we get you back on this podcast, the labor negotiation is going to be over. It's going to be signed, sealed, and delivered. And we'll be uh, talking about pitchers and catchers reporting.
1: Well, uh, we can definitely hope. That'll be my uh, Christmas wish for sure, but I uh, know it won't happen that day. But uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family. I appreciate it. Uh, Always talking, Brewers. And, uh, yeah, hopefully next time we chat, we can talk about reality and not just everything in theory. So thanks a lot.
0: That's Tim Muma joining us here on Brewers X, Journey to the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. And that is just about going to do it for this week's podcast. Again, thank you so much for listening, not just today, but all year long. Have a very Merry Christmas, a very happy New Year. A very happy whatever else you might be celebrating maybe you're just celebrating being with friends and family enjoy that love it and uh, we will talk to you in the new year my appreciation once again going out to Tim Muma for joining us thanks to you for being tuned in we'll talk to you again real soon for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings the podcast Matt will be back next week with another episode For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.